This is the sports show we've all been waiting for. Connoisseurs of Sport features two sports enthusiasts who go beyond statistics to help you interpret the sports you love in new and refreshing ways. A scout will help you spot players and teams that have the makings of true greatness without having to rely solely on fickle statistics. And the GM will help you understand how what goes on behind the scenes translates into what happens on court or on the field. Get ready, because no one else does it like the connoisseurs of sport. Episode 33. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, connoisseurs. We're here. This is the Basketball GM. I am joined, of course, as always, by the scout. Scout, give us a shout out now. What up, folks? Uh, What we're going to do in this episode is a bit of news and notes. We're going to touch on the NBA. We're going to touch on our version of March Madness. (laughs) That's what the scout said, and I'm stealing it. That's that's it. And the closest we're going to get to it. That's right. And the uproar that recently happened in Indian Wells, California, during a well-known tennis tournament. Okay. All right. So without further ado, here we go. First up, Scout, Spurs versus Warriors in the Grand NBA. Uh, I don't know if anyone's surprised, but the Spurs did beat the Warriors. And as we know, the great Greg Popovich started to unveil his plans for (laughs) Steph Curry and Co. Go ahead. I know that you watched some of this. Unfortunately, I had to work, so I couldn't. But let us know your impression, Scout. Well, first thing is, we know the Spurs have this home win streak, right? They had coming out. I don't know if it's 39 or something like that. I think it's uh, they they improved to 35 and 0 at home. After 35 that and 0, right? So, I mean, as far as the season's concerned, they're unbeatable at home. Um, so this was a tall order coming in for Golden State, anyway, right? But now, they're the best team in the league. I understand that. Now, here's the thing, and you brought it up, GM. Greg Popovich flipped the script a bit. Oh, he went, wait a minute. Yeah, the the record scratched, um, and and we had a a bit of a different um, climate, I'll call it, within the game regarding how we're going to defend um, this open court offense, right? With all the screening and uh, Steph Curry dribble, 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 come off screens, come off screens, and you know some Clay Thompson in there, depending on what's going on. Um, but what we did see is something we've touched on um, that really um, Golden State saw in the playoffs last year. We've talked about the Memphis series last year, and uh, most notably, or um, people are more familiar with the Cavalier series, obviously, which was the finals. Yes, um, where. These teams were able to slow Golden State down, mm-hmm. right, and make turn it into a half court game, and I mean a half court game, a traditional one. Because even though Golden State, what does that mean when you well, say? Well, what I'm saying. Well, I'll put it this way. I'll define it by way of Golden State, which is even though they're in the half court, uh, there's what I would call loose play. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're on the break almost. So, um, so what do you mean by loose loose play? You said they're like they're on the break. Well, you know, it, right? It's first of all they don't use post players, so it's an open court. They fan guys out to the corners. Mm-hmm. Right, so you have two shooters in each corner. It's typically, your Harrison Barnes. In this case, also don't want to um, ignore that Andre Iguodala did not play. Aha! Uh-huh. He did not play. He's been out. I don't know if it's an ankle or something going on with him. Uh, finals MVP. Finals MVP. Yes. But um, what they do is they they put two guys in the corner, the corners, right? Um, and then you'll have at least one quotations big guy because Draymond Green isn't really a big guy they'll bring most space off the bench who really isn't a big guy to me either um, really kind of stretch players and they'll run their screen roll sometimes they'll run the horn look which is when you see two big guys above the circle and the guard can choose either as the screener and mm-hmm. then sometimes we'll have Clay Thompson running around off screens and what go what um so that's that's their typical half court offense if they right. have one. Right. But what what did the Spurs do to change that? What this what is, is this traditional half court you're talking about? This is key because what Popovich did, and it's really funny because I, I believe a week or so ago Isaiah Thomas gave this tutorial, we'll call it, on yes. NBA TV on how and that's the uh, and that's Zeke Isaiah Thomas the legend. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, right? Yeah. The legend, Detroit Pistons, two-time champion. Um, one of the people that has questioned the way Golden State has been played. Um, so he did a basically a tutorial on what they would have done in their day. You know, I mean, however you feel about that, you know, it's up to you. But um, number one was ball pressure. Okay, picking the guy up at least at half court, right? As in the Steph with Steph Curry we're talking about here. So for instead of picking of, instead of picking up Curry at like the three point arc, which right? Is, instead of standing yeah. there and waiting for him, and, and then you'll see him, you know, do this whole you know launch pad McQuack routine. Um, <laughs> you know, he'll throw it up from Lord knows where. <laughs> but yes, yeah. um, in this case, they picked him up sometimes three-quarter court. So they made him work, first of all, to get the ball into the scoring zone. Step one, right? So <clears throat> there was always a body on him. They were making him work as a dribbler. Now, what does this do? Okay, whenever I'm picking a guy up full court and putting pressure on him as he dribbles, I'm taking away this guy coming at you with the a reasonable amount of momentum, right? And he, you know, he, you know how he Steph plays. He likes to get his little dribble moves going between the legs, around the back, getting his rhythm and things like that. You take that away, okay? Mm-hmm. Because you're forcing him to deal with pressure. Sometimes you have to turn your back a certain way to the offense to protect the ball. It just changes things. It takes all. It takes time off off of the shot clock. Not that this is something that Golden State has an issue with, but it's still it's adding pressure. Okay, right. Of their offense, and it's something that uh, Golden State is unaccustomed to. Right. Well, and and historically speaking, and again, this goes back to why I don't like taking people out of their eras. Right. When we talk about this greatest ever nonsense, well, I can yes. it to be nonsense, but um, this is something you would see more in the nineties. Okay, maybe even two thousands to a degree. This has really changed. Um, rather recently, obviously over the, the last maybe seven years, where you don't see it at all. You see guys waiting for guys to come into the scoring zone. They consider it to be a three-point line, which is odd considering the 
large percentage of the game that these teams are reliant on three-point shooting. Um, But I think, I speculate that this has something to do with the um, way the game is called on the perimeter. You You don't want your point guard Mm-hmm. Or your, your your defending guard picking up a cheap foul exactly right fifty five feet from the basket. So right. what has happened is again we talk about the rule changes and they match her. Okay, uh, as a coach, I don't want my guy out there picking up some cheap foul. Then I gotta sit him because he has what's called the quick two, whatever they call it, because he picked up one trying to pick up a guy full court. So it's, it's a very difficult thing to do in today's game because of the rules. And, uh, you know, in the post, uh, we were talking about this off air, in the post, they don't call it as closely. There is more banging around still in the league down there. Right. So, so it, it's a, a different kind of game. So, you know, the post players are getting it on both ends. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. They really, the way they've legislated the game, it has devalued. Um, legislated the, the game. They've legislated it. <laughs> they devalued the post player because they're in many ways playing by the same rules where it's difficult or more difficult to score in the post versus being able to score on the perimeter because the, the rules on the perimeter right. are so beneficial to the offensive player. So they right. really and then if they're, and then if they're providing help D, you know, they can't stop a, a guard cutting to the basket either. You know, it's right. like, what, what are that, these guys going to do? That brings me to the second part of what Popovich did, which I mean, this always baffled me why this wasn't being done, where they were, they the guy that, the ball, the guy that's guarding the man with the ball, Steph Curry, okay, fought over the top of the screen and trailed him. So they didn't just switch it. Because what you've seen, and I think even Jeff Van Gundy spoke to this, and I think he said in the last maybe three to five years, everyone switches everything now. Right. Well, it's not like it used to be where a guy would fight over the top of the screen and the big man who was guarding the screener was just uh, tasked with having to hold that guard until the defender could recover. No, now it's just a switch, switch, switch. Everything's switched, right? So what you see a lot of times is, and I know everyone notices this, when Steph Curry gets that screen from Draymond Green, whoever's guarding Draymond Green ends up on Steph Curry. Then Steph Curry backs out and does his, you know, dribble, 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 um, launch shot. That's why you see him against big guys a lot, shooting over the top of big guys. And that's another thing Isaiah talked about this too. Isaiah used to say, look, now, if I saw a big guy like that, he's at my mercy. Right, yeah. And and a part of it is how uh, basketball, how uh, these teams now defend uh, the 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 team concept of defense, team defense, whatever you want to call it, instead of the one on one defense. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean there are all kinds of reasons for that. Now, Lamarcus Aldridge had a strong game: twenty six points and thirteen rebounds for the Spurs. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, one of our favorites, had eighteen points and fourteen rebounds. Uh, he didn't shoot too well, but you know, it doesn't matter. And, uh, yeah, the, the score, which is going right to what you're saying, ended up 87 to 79 for the Spurs, which is perfect for them and Popovich. That's exactly what they want to happen. A low scoring, ugly, nasty, 90 style game, as you suggested. And Tim Duncan came off of the bench, I think, for the third time yeah, he uh, had, he, he in his career. A, yeah, he didn't have a lot of minutes. Um, yeah, he didn't do much, so they didn't really need him. Um, 
yeah, you know. So we're gonna see if this continues to happen, especially. Yeah, the I'll say this also about the Spurs' offense. Um, and this, this is again, this illustrates the style of play this these days. Is that Lamarcus Aldridge just like a man among among boys as far as his size? Yeah, <laughs> down bottom. I mean, it was really a it, it was noticeable if, for those of you that watched the game. I mean, he could just reach over the top of Draymond Green, um, get putbacks and things like that. But that's not even what was so glaring to me was Boris Diaw's effectiveness. I was waiting for that on yeah. the block because he is not known, <laughs> okay, as being someone who can wreak havoc there. And yeah. you see the game and how it is now where a guy like that, just through sheer size and reasonable footwork, I mean, he's a solid uh, professional player. He'll put um, his butt on you. That's yeah, the- right, right, yeah. Um, to see <laughs> someone be that effective um, in a yeah. post with the post games tells you what kind of players, <laughs> okay, are, are soaking up the minutes on teams now and the style of play that he could be that effective. So, again, this... Again, well, no. and you know, the thing is, the Warriors, um, like you were saying, they're light in the pants. So they you know, play that he, style, yeah. Yeah, if he gets if he gets down there in the block, he's going to put all his weight on him and, yeah. and go six for seven, as he did from the field for 14 points, uh, eight rebounds uh, to join that, you know, instead of Tim Duncan. Okay, right. so, you know, it's interesting that he was the one in instead of Duncan, uh, and that's just Popovich uh, playing around. Well, he's buying time for Duncan. I mean, yeah. Duncan's like 78 years old, so. Yeah, and and for Curry, he was one of 12 from three, and we know that is the engine of his game. Uh, yes, and that, again, that's when I talk about, a lot of times I talk about Kevin Durant as being the best um, overall offensive player, because, and that's a reason why there. I think if Curry, if he struggles from three. Yes. It really affects his game as an offensive player. I think the threes are part and parcel with the offensive performance. Yeah, and Thompson was uh, one of seven from three. Uh, Draymond Green was one of five from three. So they didn't shoot too well, uh, those big three. So, you know. Now, before we move on, what I do want to say is this. Here's the question, okay? Is this a bad game? Well, we know it's a bad game for Golden State, but is this something that was completely forced by San Antonio? And is this something that they can do to them? Or Um, is this something that Golden State's going to adjust to? Well, I don't know how well Golden State can adjust. Now, you mentioned Iguodala wasn't in, so it would be good to see him into the mix because he will... uh, bring something different. He may be able to handle uh, LaMarcus Aldridge a little better. Um, uh, size differential. Here's the I, thing I, about Wait a minute, though, Wait a minute. May. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I don't know. So we'd have to see it. But my yeah. thought is that um, they're going to have trouble with this. This is going to be a struggle. It doesn't mean they're going to lose. But we even saw them struggle last year. And I don't see any suggestion that it's going to change because they aren't acclimated to the style of play. They don't see it throughout mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. I think Bogut may have been out as well. I don't remember. He was, him. yeah. He was out yeah. with a left foot injury. Right now, what I would say that matters, but Bogut's so terrible. I guess it does because he's a seven-footer. So just by Yeah, size. and then, you know, the Dial matchup, you know, he can't lay on. True. That's a good point. Yeah, Bogut. right? So Bogut's going to matter in this setting. But – I, 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 you're right. This is what Cleveland did. They slowed him down. They played 
Smash Mouth with them and stayed in the series where they where some considered them to be undermanned. So um, again, as far as um, Eagle Dollar, here's the thing about the Eagle Dollar impact. I'll say if Kawhi had gone off a bit, I would be more inclined to yeah. bring up that Eagle Dollar. Deficit and the missing Iguodala, but he struggled. And Brandon Rush, who has been uh, Iguodala's essentially his replacement, has really been playing well um, over the stretch of games he's been in and out. So yeah, Rush um, was, had ten points on four uh, for six. Yeah, uh, yeah, but you know that's fine. And remember, folks, Golden State, their shot attempts are heavy in that backcourt. There is no distribution on this team. Okay, it is Steph Curry and Klay Thompson up and around 20, over 20 shots a game. You'll see that throughout, and everyone else is really at 10 and below. So this isn't a, a, an evenly distributed shot attempts. Yeah. Uh, it's not an equal opportunity system, we'll call it. So yeah. if those guys struggle, Curry and Thompson, they're, they're going to have some problems. Yeah, they're going to lose. Yeah, I'm going to um, have some problems. Yeah, um, so. They're going to lose. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> about postseason. And, you know, look, Draymond Green obviously didn't have an answer for Aldridge. Uh, Varejao, uh, he was only in for six minutes, and he doesn't have an answer for anyone. So, right. you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, if Iguodala's in, maybe he'd help them in some ways. I don't know. He wouldn't obviously guard Aldridge man-to-man, but right. maybe he can do something else. I have no idea. I'm well, just trying rebounder. to... No, I understand. Yeah. He's a good rebounder um, from the small forward position, so you got to think he could help on the glass where Marcus Aldridge was just playing volleyball. Exactly. Like, he would come in and, and bolster what they're trying right. to do. I don't know how well that's going to work. And it's Greg Popovich, so if they meet the Spurs, that's going to be very difficult for Golden State. Uh, not saying they won't prevail, but it, I, that is a matchup I'm dying to see in this postseason. Yeah. So yeah, just because of the pop of his mind and the yeah. understanding of what's going on, and and also the last thing I'll say about and, and again this also goes to Isaiah's uh, uh, three points to slowing this down. Um, the big man when he had the show at Steph Curry off of the screen, which a lot of times was Lamarcus Aldridge, he came all the way out, and that's because you have Aldridge who. Is an athlete. He can do he's that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So he's it, not a it, he's not a lead foot. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of times they would force Curry to reset. And once you do that, you really are you really have helped yourself defensively. Um so there were a lot of components to that. Remember picking up full court, almost three quarter court, half court, um fighting over the top of screens, and also the big man showing and not giving up that immediate three. Yeah, and you sent me um a video of some of the screens the Golden State set for Steph Curry. I think hmm. the whole team was involved in screening for Curry. <laughs> I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. So well, I yeah, mean, but like an act to their offense too, which is, and I saw them go through this when you do um, squeeze the screen roll with Steph Curry. What he'll give it up to Draymond and let him trigger from the top of the circle, and then he and Clay Thompson will run their down screen action and their stagger screen action. If you think about stagger screens, think about Reggie Miller from back in the the, the uh, Pacer days. He just run the baseline and curl out, and they had multiple screens. They'll yeah, go yeah, into that like, as a as a counter. Yeah, it's like it's like basketball's version of hurdles. Yeah, right, right. So they're not one dimensional offensively as far as how they get. Uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson open. So that is their response to this kind of defense. He'll just give it up 
and go yeah. and he and sometimes and then you'll get even on the same side of the floor you'll get um Thompson setting a down screen for Curry and then you have a problem with switching that and what do you do who pops out who doesn't so they do have counters it's just none of them worked because of the Spurs makeup on Sunday yeah it's because I think the Spurs are a unique team and that they can counter a lot of that stuff plus if you're doing a lot of stagger screens, if they're forcing you into that a lot, it's going to ice the rest of the team. So True, because everyone's working yeah, to, to those guys open, which is really almost what they do. Yes, but but not to that degree. I mean, some that was right. ridiculous. Yeah, so again, these guys, I think, play two more times down the stretch. Yes, they do. And, and Quest. Here. And what we'll see is what happens when the Spurs play in Golden State. Yeah. If, if like we said, Iguodala is back. If uh, Bogut is back. We, you know, we need to see all of this together. But intriguing, intriguing. I'm done. I'm. Uh, we always have to talk about the Warriors and Steph Curry. Oh, yeah. We tried. Ugh. Okay, our version of March Madness now. Uh, <laughs> you know, March Madness, everyone. A lot of people love it. We love that you love it. Um, you know, it's this one and done game that we're not fans of. We really are not fans of just pure chance. Um, but it excites a lot of people. And if it's exciting you, we're happy for you. But what excites us is to think about the top prospects coming out of the NCAA and going into the NBA. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do, since everyone's going nuts right now for college basketball, is discuss the top two, and that's Ben Simmons uh, from LSU and Brandon Ingram from Duke. Now, Ingram, of course, is in the tournament right now for Duke, and Simmons is not, because LSU is not involved in the postseason at all. Uh, So, one and two, it depends where you look. Uh, We're uh, using DraftExpress.com. They do great breakdowns of all of these guys. If you want to check it out, we'll link it in the show notes. They have Ingram at one, Simmons at two. So, Scout, do you agree with DraftExpress? 100%. Oh, now, both of these guys are at the forward position. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though ESPN has branded Ingram listed as a guard, which surprised me. I don't know how accurate that is, but they have him as a guard. But I think he's a forward. He just he's a, a swingman type. If he's a guard, then um, Durant think, is a guard. Think, think Kevin Durant with him. That, right, that's that's right, yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, if he's a guard, then Durant is a guard. I wouldn't list um, him as a guard. I just wanted to throw that out for all of the ESPN folks that will go to ESPN. Yeah, well, he's 6'9". Yeah. Um, and Simmons is 6'10". Now Simmons is much heavier. Yeah, about what than Ingram. So there's a weight to Simmons that Ingram doesn't have. He does look like a little will-o'-wisp out there on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you said, just like Durant. Yes. In that way. So why Ingram over Simmons? Um, just diversity of offensive game. In what um, way? Uh, Brandon Ingram has a foundation to do anything and everything on the basketball court. He can handle the ball at 6'9". He can shoot the ball very well for his age. Okay, now he doesn't have that grown man distance, obviously, but he will have it. I see the mechanics for that. Um, Yeah, and he he does take 
three-point attempts. Now, of course, in college basketball, is much closer. Mm-hmm. But he does that, and I think he's shooting 40.7% from three right. th- this season, yeah. But you see the foundation to build on that. He will be a, a really good long ball shooter. Um, he can handle the ball, like I said, at that size. And, I mean, it's not – it's an afterthought the way he handles the ball. It's not a struggle. Um, and you know what? Especially in traffic, when even around the paint area, he does a good job of changing direction, keeping his dribble. Yes. Um, and, and, and throwing up the hook shot when needed, too. And that goes into fluidity of movement. I see that as well with him. Um, it, it, there's no, what's the word I'm looking for here? He, he, he's not cumbersome in his movements. We talk about that all the time where, um, a guy kind of, I call it moving in sections where it's, it's certain parts of the move and other parts lag behind it. Robotic. Right. And that's um, important at his natural. And yeah. And at his age, that is important because he's not fully formed. You can see right. that. Right. Yep. Um, finishes around the rim. Now, again, we're talking about college basketball, so he has a, a, a length and height advantage. But yes. he's going to have that even in the pros. I mean, he's wingspan-wise, he's 6'9", and the wingspan, you can see that. Yeah, I um, think they have his wings, wingspan at like 7'3". Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you think about that, and, and again, we talked about this last episode. You don't shoot and rebound with your head, so... Right, <laughs> and and you know, speaking of his shot, we were talking about the one motion, the two motion, the one and a half, and you suggested that you think he's at the one and a half stage right now. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and again, he's what I mean. These guys are freshmen too. Remember, the world has changed. Um, where guys are doing a year and then they're coming out um, to satisfy that that rule that won't let them come out of high school anymore. Right, yeah, he's still uh, 18. Yeah, he's 18 years old. So, Mm -hmm. right, the way he shoots it, it, it's a bit of a hybrid motion. Um, I think as he matures, it will turn into that two-motion shot um, where he'll be able to shoot over the top of people. It'll it'll be, or or like you think Kevin Durant, who's kind of a hybrid shooter, can can do the two-motion when he has to. Right. Also can shoot other ways when he does not have to. Um, so he's... He, I think Durant's a good comp for him. Mm-hmm. Even though, even at, when Durant was a freshman in, in, in college at Texas, if anyone remembers that, um, when he was 18, 17, 18 years old, what have you, I think he was a little more advanced because Kevin Durant, as I've said, is, is, is a special talent as far as scoring acumen. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't put him... Ingram quite on that level, but I think it's a good comp. Yes, yeah, yeah. Not saying yeah that he's going to be one of the NBA greats, right? Uh, but yeah, like he'll roll a lot of bad scoring thirty, like Durant does. That's not necessarily what I'm saying, but yeah, he, but he, yeah, he has the game and the foundation of a game to be that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, him. but what's the, why? So you've described. Ingram, what does Ingram have that Simmons lacks? Well, first of all, the jump shooting. Yeah, that was one thing that really stood out to me when it came to Simmons. He is a, you know, inside basketball kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he's First of all, like you said, he's 6'10", about 225 maybe. Mm-hmm. So there's some weight to his game. Um, he's 239, really, 239. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Really quick. And, uh, by the way, uh, Brandon Ingram, they have him listed at 196. Okay. Um, Simmons is, is really quick off the dribble, especially for a guy that size. I mean, he's like a guard. Um, yeah. He, he his handle is better than Ingram's. 
Yeah, see, the way he dribbles the ball, the crossovers, the explosion out of the crossovers um, when he changes direction, all of that is just remarkable for a guy, again, of that size and weight. Yeah, Um, and let me give you some more stats because I talked about Ingram. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, height is 6'10 And this is according to Hoop Summit Hoop Summit gave uh, pre-draft measurements For both Simmons and Ingram So I'll just use them Because they're the only one that did both um, So 6'10 uh, And wingspan for him They have 6'11 This is Simmons This is, yeah, this is Simmons right. So that's four inches uh, Fewer than right. what they had for Ingram I mean, Ingram almost looks like um, uh, the unibrow a bit as far as the way he's... Yeah. He's he's more slight, but again, he's 18. But that that wingspan and kind of that hunched Mm -hmm. uh, uh, (laughs) uh, stature, um, you see. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, Simmons' Simmons official college team uh, gives him a wingspan of seven uh, foot feet and a quarter inch. But, you know, that's his college team. Um... So that's interesting. He is one year older than Ingram as well. He's 19 right now. So, right. But he's just going to be a terror in the open court. Um, yeah. Because um, of the ball handling. Now, I, I've only seen him shoot a jump shot a handful of times. I saw him shooting jump shots in a practice scenario. Mm-hmm. And he has a long way to go. I mean, even from where he loads with his set point with the shot. Um, his balance on the shot seems to be off to me. He seems to kind of drift. Um, so it's a lot of work to be done there. So that's up to him. That's a mental thing. Yeah. Okay. Is he good? But he's going to have to overhaul that portion of his game. Whereas so your, your major, foundation. so your major distinction between the two is shooting. Yes. And, and, and right. Um, and mid range, game. Yeah, I call that shooting. Yeah, you have to be... I mean, Simmons is going to have to familiarize himself with how to even set his body up to get that jump shot off. It's really not there as a component, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. He doesn't have it. Um, And, you know, defensively, I will say it's hard to judge defense from the NCAA going to the NBA. It's a completely different schematic. Um, so I know that Simmons has a lot of rebounding skills and things like that. And he does he does assist his teammates as well. He's a really good passer, that's true. Yeah, yes, but yes. just to let but just to let the listeners know, we're not gonna talk too much about uh defense in this regard because honestly it don't matter. We'll see it when they get into the NBA. And yeah, when they the get into the Brandon Ingram, because we talk about the wingspan, guys like that tend to end up being um, a better defenders and at least disruptive just because of the wingspan. Yeah. Um, so, but back to Simmons, you know, um, what I'll say also about him, he's ambidextrous around the hoop, great finisher, can finish right or left. Well, yeah. sometimes he can take a, 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 a weird little short jumper with his right hand. He's a left handed player. So he's an odd player in that way. He could use both hands. Um, so again, He's just limited as far as his diversity as an offensive player. When we talk about that, and like I said, when I say when I say limited, I mean there's a section of his game that doesn't exist right now. And in today's NBA, that's a problem. You do need to have that yes. outside shot. Yes. Um, so that's going to be something that he's going to have to negotiate. 
I'm glad um, you said that. One more point. Yep. There was a time where a guy with Brandon Ingram's uh, 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 height, weight, uh, his measurables as far as his height and weight would be considered a negative because he's only 190, 196 pounds. Yeah. Um, remember Kevin Durant came out and everyone was ragging on his bench press or whatever, his strength. Yes. Remember, to your point, because I'm glad you bring up the NBA as it is now, mm-hmm. right? Where they have really legislated a lot of the strength out of the game. You don't have to be that strong anymore. So I think Simmons, maybe a decade ago, you would look at him and say, he's he's a rugged player. I'd rather have him. Um, it would be a little closer then if we were in that NBA. But yeah. in today's NBA, where you can have a guy that is slight of build, now, again, you can't be, you know, you have to be able to make it through an NBA season. But, again, I don't think the the weight, mm-hmm. okay, hurts Ingram as much as it may have, like I said, seven, ten years ago. So Yeah, and they have nutritionists on staff. Right. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Straight coaches. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they, they got the people there. Now, just to clarify, you mentioned what ESPN, in my opinion, erroneously erroneously noted for Ingram as a guard, which is ridiculous. Uh, Draft Express does have him listed at small forward. They have Simmons listed at small forward slash power forward. Yeah, and Simmons can play with his back to the basket. He has feel there. Um, and, and that's but the question will be, here's a question, though. Yeah. The question will be, who drafts them and acquires them? Because we know mm-hmm. trade can happen. So that in their first year, uh, we'll see what opportunities they get. Because for Simmons, is he going to be on a team that's going to need him in those positions? Right. That's the question. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, and like he, he can play. Like I said, he has a feel um, for playing with his back to the basket. And also remember, I said he was almost ambidextrous. Yeah. That's really a benefit in the low post. It is. So, um Again, this is today's NBA, so to your point, it's going to be a, a team that's going to be willing to put him on the block. Right. Okay, you think, I mean, he's not going to Golden State, but you think about Golden State, they don't want people on the block because it closes down their spacing, right? And this is a copycat league. Right. So the question is, what is a team that drafts him, what's the plan, as you said, GM, in place for him? Okay, do we draft him and try to make him something he's not? Yep. Or do we draft him knowing what we're getting and we accentuate his strengths? So I did want to say his back-to-the-basket game, I really like that. His footwork, the way he moves, again, finishing with, with shoot and shooting with both hands down to a jump hook shot style situation or style shot. He has that, and that's important. He's going to be a dynamite rebounder because of the movement skills again. Okay, remember, he some people – bigger guys stand in one place and they dominate the boys. He'll be able to move because he's so quick and then also have the size and explosive ability as well. So um, he's, I, th- I believe they call him what, the two or three space rebounders. Guys, they, they, they rate rebounds as far as their um, range of balls they can get to. Right. Um, so you have some guys that really aren't going to go outside of one zone or one space where I forget what the terminology is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just mean he's going to track the ball. He's going to track the ball. Think Dennis Rodman mm-hmm. as far as uh, – And, you know, they did, they did compare uh, Simmons to Lamar Odom. I can see – yes, that's a good yeah. comparison. He's more explosive than, than Lamar was. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say – a better ball handler um, that comes with, you know, the explosive element. Yeah. 
Um, so, Can I just yeah. ask you before we wrap up on him? Because there is, you know, a lot of stuff written about him because LSU didn't make uh, the NCAA, you know, tournament. Um, you know, they didn't play well this season. And does that reflect on him? What does that mean? Your thoughts? Well, yeah, we, that's when you get to this area of does he make his teammates better, that kind of thing. Here's my issue. I roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He tends to be, he seems to be a pass first player, mm-hmm. which is ironic, right, for this discussion. Yeah. I think that needs to shift. Okay. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I think he, um, at times, is content with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I made the right play, that kind of mentality, and sometimes the right play ain't the right play. Yeah. I think that is, yes, an issue. Um, so, I don't like harping on an 18-year-old being responsible. 19. For 19 for an entire, what do they call them, programs. I certainly don't either. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, you know, and that team is not good. Right. It, that see, team, I'm sorry, in college basketball, I divorce the team from the player. I just look at the player yeah. and see whether they have some inkling of the skills that we know are going to work in the NBA. And that's it. I mean, like their team record and all of that, you know, the, the intangibles, the leadership skills, whatever. Now, he, he did have one of the most productive college seasons in recent memory. Uh, the first player to average over 19 points, 11 rebounds and four assists per game since Ron Harper in 86. <laughs> OK, so uh, there we go. Now, Ron Harper. There you go. That's right. Don't don't sleep. But but just to reiterate, just to reinforce, I do think there is an issue with him backing off of his talents and not dominating. Maybe when so a LeBron issue. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. I mean, yeah. you know, that's why you know we let them play, and, and again, that'll also go into who drafts acquires him. Yes. Um, but I think you know for the top two prospects, I think this is pretty good for the league. Um, oh yes, yeah, yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these aren't some you know weak guys here. So yeah. I w- I'm pleased to see that. Um, now, what we're not so pleased by is our final topic for this episode: the uproar at Indian Wells. That's what I'm calling it, Scout. Yeah. Uproar at Indian Wells. All right, everybody, let me try to break this down for you. So then. The- Gal can jump in. So the tournament director of the BNP Paribas Open, which is at Indian Wells, California, uh, a major event in tennis outside of the Grand Slams, right? criticized the WTA Tour. And the WTA Tour, everyone, if you don't know, is women's tennis. So women's professional tennis. Uh, he did this before their final at the tournament. Uh, he said that women's pro tennis players, quote, Ride on the coattails of the men. Uh, he wow. described them as, quote, physically attractive and competitively attractive. <laughs> oh, how nice. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, his name is Raven Moore. He's a 69 year old former touring pro from South Africa. Um, now, let me continue because he said more than that. He said, quote, in my next life, when I come back, I want to be someone in the WTA because they ride on the coattails of the men. There it is. They don't make any decisions and they are lucky. They are very, very lucky. If I was a lady player, I'd go down every night on my knees. And thank God that Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal were born because they have carried this sport. 
uh, okay. Mm. And then he went into his stuff and later questions about, you know, they're attractive. Because he kept saying they're attractive players. And he mentioned uh, Muguruza, I think, and and you and, and Jeannie Bouchard. And then, you know, the questioner said, do you mean physically? Or, you know, he said, right. that's when you got that quote about physically and competitively. Now, here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> it's all about context. Okay. It, now, if these ladies are at a ball, they're in a nice gown and heels, you say, oh, you look nice tonight. You know, you look attractive. And that's all nice and good. You know, but when you're talking about them playing a sport that they have worked <laughs> their whole lives to do, and you say, oh, yeah, you're physically attractive. They're like, what are you talking about, right, man? Yeah. Now, uh, Serena did respond. She said uh, those remarks are very much mistaken and very, very, very inaccurate. Uh, and she went on to talk about the history of women's tennis, mentioning Billie Jean King, among others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, as Arinka came in and talked about how, you know, the women just go and play. They keep their heads down. They try to rise above this nonsense because this does come at women every now and then. Now, before you jump in, let me say this. There's a difference between liking men's tennis better than women's tennis and saying comments like this. <laughs> right. Okay, there's a big difference. We prefer men's tennis to women's tennis, but that doesn't mean uh, that they're riding the coattails of the men. I mean, that, come on now. They have their own thing going. They have their own tour that's legitimate. And, you know, I liked women's tennis when we had the Williams sisters with Kleisters, with uh, Davenport, even uh, at, with Hingis. Uh, toward the end of what she was doing. Uh, we had a Capriati. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we had uh, the one-hand slayer, one-hand backhand slayer. Okay. So, you uh, that's when I liked it. Uh, right now, I'm not a huge fan. I still watch when I think the matchup is good. But I do think that men's tennis is much more competitive and better to watch. But come on. I mean, this man... What is, come on, see, 69, see these, these? Well, again, right, you, you got a guy who is of a certain age and, and a certain demographic, sport. let's say that, yeah. a demographic, mm-hmm. um, let's just use that word. Um, first of all, first of all, they're legitimate stars in the WTA. I mean, you have Serena Williams, the aforementioned, who, I mean, is a megastar. Um, and he uh, did mention her. He mentioned Sharapova as being the yeah, star. Yeah, yeah. Sharapova, who is, again, beleaguered right now. But nevertheless, um, she was a huge star. Um, so there are no coattails there unless there are people riding theirs. Yeah, it, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, again, we're dealing with sexism here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, chauvinism, whatever you want to call it. And like you said, the idea that you bring their appearance into it. When we're on top of about, everything else. Right. Yeah. And then on their knees. I mean, stop it. Come on, well, man. I, I was going to leave that one alone. I mean, we, <laughs> we, I mean, you know, he was channeling Donald Trump there, right? I mean, with the, with the being on your knees bit where you say that and all these ideas come up just because of the tone of the conversation, the tone you yeah. created. Yeah. Um, so... No, he did apologize. <laughs> he well, apologized. I mean, look, I don't. I'm not. I wasn't on the um, the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I wasn't the recipient of said comments. I'll call it that. 
So um, I can't tell people how to feel about apologies, but I wouldn't care. I don't want your apology. First of all, that's what you believe. I don't think Serena cares. Yeah, I would doubt it. Right. I I think that's what you believe. I think that's who you are. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It just came out in the public setting. Yeah. I mean, look, the women's tennis has had so many stars, I, not to mention what I talked about. But I mean, remember, one of my favorites, and I believe yours as well, Monica Sellis. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Monica Sellis. Sellis, yeah. You had Graf and that whole thing Graf, before the yeah. idiot ran onto the court. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you I mean, know, Martina. Uh, Everett. Um, you know. Everett, right. I mean, you can go on and on. Even the Gabriella Sabatini type um, from back in the day. It's just a litany. Yeah. They stand on their own. Right. So, you know. And I'm glad you said what you said to lead off. Mm-hmm. Whereas, just because I enjoy men's tennis more, it's not discrediting. Right. Right. It's very important because sometimes things you can create. When things these things happen, there are two boxes created. Right. Mm-hmm. It's either A, you're this, or, or B, you're that. Exactly, right. It's just not black and white, but this guy is plenty black and white, okay? Yeah. What he's saying, we got you, bruh. We got you. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> women's tennis is the premier pro women's sport. I mean, you know, no, in my opinion. Ways, it's, it's, it's not, it's, I can't use the word wrong. I don't even want to use that. It's, it's inaccurate. And it's all kinds of other words that could be It's ignorant. To that. It's ignorant. It, 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 yes, ignorant. Yeah, and stupid. So, yeah, with that. <laughs> Chill out, and, man. Yeah. Well, look, he something's going to happen. So, yeah, well, they're going to have to do something with him because that's a big event. Yeah, um, they. Yeah, something's going to have to happen because, you know, women's tennis players more and more are becoming active behind the scenes and requesting mm-hmm. to be treated in a respectful manner. Um, I mean, this is an easy boycott if you want to. I mean, this is an easy yeah. one. And in, look, Indian Wells is is not a stranger to uh, controversy because remember, the Williams sisters hadn't played there in old, well over 10 years. They just mm-hmm. came back recently uh, because mm-hmm. of what the fans did to them. So now, you know, Right. I don't know what's going on down there in Cali. I mean, it's easy to pressure them into getting this guy is, I would say, pretty much gone. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Or, or he'll be reduced. His his yeah. public um, access will be. Re- they're gonna have to yeah. do something. They're gonna have to do something. I mean, he was on that court for the after the final. You know, when they got their. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of these people running around saying fire people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm just saying. Some, uh, there's going to be something done about yeah. this. I well, he's the director. He's the director. He's the face of this yeah, event. Right. And, right. and you got to, you're going to suffer the consequences for things you say when you're in those kinds of positions. So, uh, whatever, I'm done with him. So, uh, any final <laughs> comments, Scout? Uh, nope. Um, no. Okay, and with that, everybody, we hope you enjoy the week in sports. Uh, get your madness out, uh, and we'll see, of course, what happens with the Warriors. And we'll keep it coming when it comes to tennis. Whenever something happens, don't worry. Mm-hmm. If it's in an NBA, NFL, even now the NCAA, tennis, <laughs> we'll be there for you. Now, when it comes to baseball, sorry, we ain't got you, or golf, mm-hmm. or 
or whatever else. Okay. We're not gonna we're not gonna do the hockey bit either. Yeah, we're yeah. So sorry. We we know. Yeah, and we do what we enjoy. That's right. That's where we're. So if you love those sports, we are for you. And guess what? Maybe in a year or two, we'll have you on the show, and you can talk to us about baseball. (laughs) Okay. And with, with that, everybody, take care. We'll catch you next week. Listen to Connoisseurs of Sport every Monday at DailyDynamic.com.